Thanks, Trev. It's good to be back. See some familiar faces. Um, Shelley unfortunately couldn't come out. She's got other commitments that she had to um, attend to. So, uh, but she does send her love. Um, before we have a look at Joshua chapter three, uh, how about we just bow our eyes in prayer? Lord, we do thank you that you are a great God. You are the greatest. You are the sovereign Lord of the universe. And Lord, we often do feel inadequate when we come into your presence. But Lord, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, because in him we have everything we need to come to you and call you our Father. And Lord, that's such a wonderful blessing and a privilege to be able to call you our Father. Because as a loving Father, you do care for us. You do watch over us and you do lead us and you do guide us. And so we would pray this afternoon as we would open your word that you will give us something that we really need from you. And it might be a real encouragement to us. And Lord, we pray it will be an encouragement to one another as we thank you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, yeah, so if you've got a Bible uh, or a phone and you've got a Bible on the phone, uh, if you could open up to Joshua chapter 3 and um, we're going to read a very interesting story here in this little chapter it's a very it's a great book it's a huge change it's a huge transition in the life of the nation of Israel in chapter 1 Moses who had been guiding and leading Israel for 40 years dies and the leadership of the nation is passed over to Joshua and in chapter 2 uh, they're ready to go into the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised to them. And in chapter 2, Joshua sends two spies into the land to check it out. And that was a pretty brave move. For those of us who know the story, 40 years before, 38 years before, Moses did the same thing. He sent 12 spies into the land and it didn't work out real well. They all came back saying, look, it's a wonderful land it's a brilliant land, the fruit is incredible, the, the land is amazing, but there's walled cities, there's giants, there's big armies. If we go in there, we're going to get wiped out. And so when Joshua sent these two spies in, he was probably um, thinking maybe about that last time when the spies went. But these two men were just like Joshua. Joshua was one of those 12 spies. Out of those 12, only two men, Joshua and his friend Caleb, they're the only ones that came back saying, God's given us this land, we can go in. And he sent these two men, and it seems they had the same heart that he had. And they went into the land, they checked it out. And this is what message that they came back with. They said, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. And so with absolute confidence, they could go in and take this land that God had promised to them. The people in the land, by the way, were really, really terrible. You know, we think uh, God's going to send his people in, take the land of these poor people. Well, these poor people were sacrificing their children in uh, offerings, burnt offerings, burning them up to their gods. They were horrendous people. They were terrible people. Everything they did was uh, demonstrating a total um, life of... of Un, no understanding of all of what God meant life to be like. They were completely uh, contaminated with sin of every kind. So they're at the doorway to go into the land of Jordan. 
uh, the land of Canaan. This is 40 years after God rescued them from Israel. Two years after that, they've been right on the doorstep to go in, but they chose not to. And so they've been wandering around in the desert for 38 years. And now we get to this story. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. Is after this, the uh, slaves, the the um, uh, spies have come back with this amazing message. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. That's a place where they were staying, and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went throughout the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests. Then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Um, a cubit is about half a metre, or just, just under half a metre, so 2,000 cubits is around about 900 metres, a bit over 900 metres behind these, the ark. The ark was a box. It was about 1.3 metres long about 80 centimetres wide, about 80 centimetres high. It was made of wood and completely covered in gold. And this was the ark that they had to follow. They said, don't come near it. And this is the part that I want to focus on this afternoon. Don't come near it. In order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And that sentence is a sentence I really want us to focus on. Where God told these people... In order that you may know the way that you're going, because you haven't passed this way before. We're going into a new year. It's different from last year. We've got no idea what's going to be in front of us. We have got no understanding. For some people, this year is going to be a great year. For some people, they're going to have great relationships. They're going to have great friendships. They're going to do well at their work. They're going to have... Um, just a, a really, really good time throughout this year. Lots of blessings. For other people, this year is going to be really sad. Some people are going to lose jobs. Some people are going to lose loved ones. Some people are going to struggle financially. And we don't know where we're going to fall. We don't know which part of that picture we're going to be in. If we're going to be in the great times and the good times or the sad times, or if we're going to have a bit of both. We've got no idea. So how do we go into a year that we've got no understanding about? We've got no idea what's going to happen to us tomorrow. You know, already this year, some people have started off in a terrible way. Already this year, there are people who are going through deep, deep suffering and trial and struggle and heartache. Already this year, there's been a lot of tears shed. Despite all the happiness and that that we have at Christmas time and all of these things... For this year already, it's been really tragic for some. So how do we go into a year when we don't know what is in front of us? I think we can learn some things from this story. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, 
that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, your command, as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you will know the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and some people even say the Termites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho, now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. There's four things I want to think about from this story. There's other things in there, but there's four basic things I want to look at. Number one, this was a new beginning for Israel. They were beginning into, going into a new place somewhere they had never been before. The second thing is this, the Ark of the Covenant went in front of them. The third thing, the water in the river didn't stop flowing until the priest's feet were actually in the water. And then in the end, they set up two memorials of stones, 12 stones in each one, one in the middle of the river and the other at a place called Gilgal, where they camped on the other side of the river in the land of Canaan after the Lord had taken them through there. Now... Every one of us here in this church is going to be affected differently this year. And like I said, we really don't know how it's going to turn out for us. This was a dramatic and life-changing time for the nation of Israel. You see, for the last 40 years, they had been wandering around in a desert. They'd been living in tents. God had provided their food. God had provided their water. He'd provided their clothing. Their shoes never wore out. God had been looking after them, but they never ever had any place that they could call their own. And it must have been fairly difficult because it was a desert. It wasn't a nice place to be roaming around. And they, uh, you know, we sang one of the songs that Trevor had, you know, I've got a roof over my head. Well, their roof was a, t was a tent. That was it for 40 years. You know, some of us like going camping. Well, <coughs> camping's okay for a weekend or a couple of weeks, but 40 years? And that's the way these people lived. But God was taking them into a land where they would live in towns and cities. They'd have their own homes. They'd have their own farms. They'd have their own vineyards. They'd be able to grow and produce and multiply and live in safety and security. It was an incredible change and uh, a massive difference to what they were used to. Um, some people, you know, when we talk about going into the land of Canaan, and we, we get it in some of the songs we sing too, 
you know, they, they sing about Canaan as being sort of representative of heaven. You know, we go across over the Jordan into heaven. That's really not a biblical understanding. It's merely a biblical concept. Because uh, the land of Canaan, even though it was a lot better than wandering around in the desert, it wasn't a paradise. It wasn't utopia. They had to fight. Sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. Sometimes they went well, sometimes they didn't. Now, heaven's not going to be like that. Heaven is going to be perfect in every aspect. And so what we have in Canaan is a place where the nature of what it is like to be one of God's children or to be God's people is lived out, is worked out in a real world. And so for today we might say that Canaan is a representation of what it's like to be a child of God in this world where we live today. And this is the example that they have. So, look, it was so much better than the desert, but it wasn't perfect. They had to learn to rely on God, to trust in God throughout their whole time there if they were going to have the life that God wanted for them. But the, the thing that we find here is when they came uh, to Joshua, Joshua says, okay, go down and uh, camp by the river. And he says to them, consecrate yourselves before they crossed over. What's it mean to consecrate yourself? Some Bibles say sanctify yourselves. Well, basically, Joshua is saying to the people, before we cross over the Jordan, get yourself right with God. And that's so important in our life. You know, we need to get ourselves right with God. And we can do that because he wants us to be right with him. That's why he sent the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago and he died on a cross, as we know. But why did he die on the cross? So that he could pay the price for your sins and mine. So that we could be forgiven. So that God could wipe out our sins so we could be right with him. And that's the great thing about the cross. The Lord Jesus didn't just come to die. He came to die for me. And he came to die for you. And have you understood that? Have you understood that in your life, how Jesus loves you so much that he came and he died for you? He died that you might have forgiveness of sins because he's already paid them on the cross. You don't have to pay. If he's already paid... You don't have to pay, but you do have to accept him. You do have to come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I recognize my sin and I just am so sorry. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to follow you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. You know what? When we come and we confess our sins to the Lord in that way, we turn away from our sins to follow the Lord Jesus. And we accept that when he died on the cross, he died for me. You know, God wipes out our sin. He blots it out. And we start off brand new with Jesus. That's how we get ourselves right with God. And then as Christians, you know, we're not perfect. We do things that are wrong. We make mistakes. We sin. And what God wants us to do in that is to continually come to him confessing our sin acknowledging our sin before him and that way we consecrate ourselves or we sanctify ourselves we set ourselves apart for God to live the way he wants us to and before these people could go into this land of Canaan this Canaan, this land that was so much blessing they had to get themselves right with God 
And that's so important for us. It's something we have to do every day. You know, oh, it would be wonderful if, if you could just get to a point in your life and say, okay, Lord, that's it. I consecrate myself to you. I sanctify myself. Uh, and that would be it. You wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. But unfortunately, it's a thing we have to do every day. And sometimes more than once throughout the day as we find ourselves thinking things and doing things that don't please the Lord. So the first thing God wants of us as we go into this year that we don't know anything about where we've never been before, he wants us to get ourselves right with him. And the second thing we find is that they were to follow the ark, this golden box. Now, this golden box was very particular. It had three things inside of it. It had a bowl of a bread-like thing in there they call manna that God had used to feed the children of Israel through the desert. It had a stick that had some leaves on it and some almonds. And it had the two tablets of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. And then on the top it had a lid of solid gold. It was beaten out of one piece of gold. And on the top of that lid there were two angels and their wings were touching in the middle and that was called the mercy seat. Now I'm not going to go into the details, but every single one of those things, when you look at it in scripture, every single one of those things talks about Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful picture, and maybe Leo sometime, I'm sure, would be really marvellous to teach on how these things teach us about Jesus Christ. But what, the, what God was really saying was, you need to follow this ark. It wasn't just a religious box. It had such significance, it was pointing towards the one who would come afterwards, the one who God would send. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go with Jesus before us, with Jesus in front of us, with our eyes and our hearts fixed on him, that he is the one that is going to lead us into this year. And you know, that's a wonderful comfort because even though we don't know what's going to happen this year, he does. And so when we can follow him and walk with him, we know that we're going with someone who's got everything under control because he knows the end from the beginning. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was a great symbol seen in the Ark of the Covenant and the people went across following the Ark, following this thing that spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. The other thing in here I think that's really significant is this. As the Ark was going in front of them, the priests were carrying the Ark. And... God said to them, you guys, you take the ark up to the River Jordan. And it tells us here that the Jordan, it's not a huge river. If you have a look at it online, I've never seen it. I'd love to see it one day. But it's not a huge river. But it was in flood. And when it's in flood, it is quite substantial. And there's no way the children of Israel were going to cross over this, this river with all of this water. With the flood going on as it was. And so God says to the priests, okay, I want you to go down and walk down to the river and when you put your feet in the water that's when I'm going to work that's when the waters are going to stop and they're going to stand up in a heap way upstream a place called Adam about 30, a bit over 30 kilometres upstream but you've got to put your feet in the water first and you know that must have been a difficult thing for them to do these men, these priests they're walking towards this flooded river and I don't know if any of you, well, yeah, most of us have seen the river in flood when it's here, when it's going through here, and it's pretty, uh, 
pretty violent sometimes. And as these men got closer and closer to the river, nothing was changing. Nothing was happening until they actually put their feet in the water. And when they put their feet in the water, something amazing happened. The water receded. And then as they put their feet in the water again, the water receded. Now, this didn't just happen in a moment. They didn't just get to the water, put their feet in the water, and all of a sudden everything was dry. It would be nice sometimes if that's the way things happen. It sometimes does work in that way. We, we do what he asks, we trust him, and all of a sudden everything is fixed up. This water was coming from this place called Adam. How far upstream? Over 30 kilometres. So all of that water had to drain down past where the priests were before it could go down into the Dead Sea. So this was a fairly long process from when the, the um, priests got to the bank of the Jordan, to the flooded water, and they put their feet in, to when they actually got into the middle of the river, it would have taken a fair amount of time. And each step was a step of faith. Each step was a step trusting God. And this is what God wants us to do each and every day as we go into this year. He wants us to go into this year trusting Him every single day. Not just trusting Him today and then everything's going to be fine for the rest of the year. He wants us to trust Him tomorrow. He wants us to trust Him on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week, next month, all the way through. He wants us to just keep on trusting. And as we keep on trusting and as we keep on obeying, He'll continue to open the way before us. You know, these priests, they had a a significant task because the whole of the nation was depending on their faithfulness. Faith is really, really important. Sometimes we'll talk about faith. You know, we can talk about having faith. And um, it's like Trevor was talking that illustration, you know, talk, people talk about praying for people, but then they sort of forget to do it. And we can talk about faith, but the only way we can really show that we have faith is by being obedient to what we know God has asked us to do. And when we do that, God works. Um, There's some verses in the book of James, and it says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, this is the example he gives, lacking in daily food, and one of them says to you, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, What good is that? Well, what good is it? Like Trev could have said to those two little girls when he was on holidays, oh, that's good little girls, I'll pray for you, you know, go and hope your tummies are filled and all that sort of stuff. Well, what what good is it? No good at all. What he did is what Jesus did. He showed compassion and he supplied the need because he was able to. And when we come to the Lord Jesus, we've got to be able to trust him in our lives each and every day by being obedient to what he's asked us to do. Because if we're not obedient, we can talk all we want about having faith. But if we're not being obedient, where's the evidence of it? Where is the reality of it? And these men, they demonstrated a constant 
and a very firm faith in God by continuing to walk into that river. Now, I don't know how long it took for the water to get from 30 kilometres upstream to pass these guys so that they were finally standing in the middle of the river on dry ground. But it took a while. But you know what? When, what God did wasn't only prove the faith of these men as they took step after step after step into the middle of the river. He was showing the perfection of his provision. The nation of Israel was a big nation at this time. There's different people give different estimates, but it's very probable that there are over a million people. And they didn't cross the Jordan in single file, as you see in some of the kids' drawings, you know, those storybooks. They had 30 kilometres upstream where they could cross, and I don't know how far downstream. And so this massive, massive group of people was able to cross over the River Jordan on dry ground. Why? Because these men that God sent believed what he said. And they went out and they did what he asked them to do. And the impact of that was that a huge, huge number of people could cross over into this land of promise that God had said that he would give to his people. That's what God wants us to do. Trust him. And keep trusting him. And keep trusting him. And you know what? That's going to have a provision in our life, but it's also going to impact in other people's lives as well. And that's the great thing about following Jesus. You know, as they went into this land, they went in as a group. It wasn't just a handful of them that went. They went in together. But there were those who were giving an example, those who were leading. And as they obeyed God, the other people are looking on. And what are they seeing? They're seeing these men have been given an instruction by God. They're trusting Him. They're believing Him. And look at the result. God is doing what He said He would do. He's stopping the waters so we can cross over onto the other side. So what do you think that does to these people when they see, okay, now God is asking me to do something. They can then look at these other guys, see what they've done, and they can learn from that. And they can learn to trust. So it's so important that we do what the Lord wants because it's not only for our benefit, it's for benefit for many others as well. And this leads us into the last point. You know, um, uh, Joshua said, get 12 guys, pick up a rock each, and when everyone has passed over, I want you to build them an altar, I want you to build a, a memorial in the middle of the river. And then another 12 guys want them to get 12 rocks as well. And when we get to Gilgal, they had a ceremony in Gilgal over in chapter 5, I think it is. And there they put those 12 rocks. And why do you think those rocks were there? They were to remind the people of what God had done. God was saying, I want you to know. I want you to remember. I want your children to remember, to know what I have done here at the River Jordan. And those rocks were a witness to what God had done. And you know, God wants us to have those things in our lives. Those times in our lives when we can see what he has done and we can mark them down. We've done that this afternoon. God gave us, through the Lord Jesus, he gave us this ceremony that we have of breaking the bread and drinking the cup. Because it keeps reminding us of what? It reminds us of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. And so this is like our, our memorial 
that God has given us so that we can never forget what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. And you know how long we do this? Until he comes again. And when he comes, we're not going to need to do it because we're going to be with him in heaven. We're going to be with him forever. And that's a wonderful thing. And so we need to, when we see God working in our lives, we need to mark those times and mark those occasions. And um, it's a good thing sometimes to write them down or to do something that helps us to remember these great things that God had done. I can remember over 30 years ago, before we went over, uh, over to South America, um, God was showing us that that's what he wanted us to do and he did some spectacular things in our lives. Absolutely amazing. And some of the people in the church we were at at the time, they said, you should be writing all this down, all these amazing things that are happen, happening. And, you know, I said, oh, I'll never forget these things. And I didn't write them down. Well, you know what? In the last 30 odd years, <laughs> I've forgotten a lot of those things. I still remember a couple of them. But a lot of those things I've forgotten. It's good to have something that helps us to remember what God is doing and what God has done. Because when we get further down our Christian life and we start to face something that's a struggle, we start to face something that's difficult, we can look back and we can see that our God is faithful. He has never failed. And so as we look into the future, we can look and we can say, okay, I can see God has never failed in the past. He's not going to fail me now. He's not going to fail me. And so, very simply, this little story, the few things that God wants us to learn as we go into a year that we know nothing about, as we go into a year and it's just really cloudy as to what's going to, what it's going to be like for us, we need to begin with Jesus Christ. Get ourselves right with him. Get ourselves right with the Lord. And then we need to walk each day trusting God. That's what living by faith is. It's just seeing what God says and trusting him and then acting on it. That's how God wants us to go into this year. Trusting him each and every day. And um, as we trust him and we see him working, he wants us to put in markers. He wants us to do something to help us to remember his faithfulness so that somewhere down the future when we are facing difficulties, we can remember the greatness of our God and continue to follow him faithfully. Okay, we don't know what's happening in the new year, do we? But that's okay, because our Lord Jesus does. Let's follow him. Let's do as he asks. And just look to him and ask him to give us everything we need for each day. And let's pray for one another and encourage one another, as the Israelites did three and a half thousand years ago to walk with Jesus into a world that's not perfect you know in the land of Canaan there were temptations for Israel there were different roads and different ways they could go down sometimes they went down the right road sometimes they went down the wrong road we'll do the same but God was always with them and God was always faithful to them so let's seek to encourage one another just to go into this year and through this year following our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for 
this story and so many others like it in the Bible. You are faithful in everything you do. And Lord, we can learn from that. We can learn and understand the greatness of who you are. Uh, we think of ones like Jeremiah who went through very, very tough times in their lives. And yet he could say, Lord, you are the creator of heaven and earth. There's nothing that is hard for you. And we can go into this year knowing that with confidence, Lord. There's nothing too hard for you. But we pray that we will be faithful in doing what you ask us to do. That we will get ourselves right with you. That we will follow our Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. That we'll be obedient and trusting you each step of the way. That, Lord, we might be able to rejoice in what you have before us, even if it's a tough time, even if it's a difficult year. Lord, that we might be able to rejoice in your goodness as we thank you and praise you in our Saviour's precious name. Amen.